to Thrive Church Online. My name is Kathy, and I'm going to be your online host for today. If it's your first time here, you are a VIP, so please let us know by texting new at 604-285-5770, and we'll mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. Parents, don't forget to go to mythrive.info slash thrivekids to access the Thrive Kids curriculum. There you can find the lesson video, a worship video, a resource sheet that you can download, print, and do with your kids, and there's going to be Zoom classes every Sunday from between 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. We love a proactive church, and since it's the last Sunday of 2020, I would love to know one thing that you are thankful for this year. So share it in the chat room or with the person beside you. We love to see your beautiful faces. So take a selfie of yourself tuning in today and post to your social media using the hashtag ThriveChurchOnline. Are you ready for today's message? I'm now going to pass the time over to Pastor JB, and I'll see you all later. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I am so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to be here together at Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, you are what we call our VIP. We're especially excited to welcome you today here at Thrive. In fact, we've got a saying, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, we just welcome one another in your chat rooms right now. If you're sitting beside someone watching the service together, would you give them a high five, a handshake, an air hug, and a real hug, whatever's appropriate. Why don't you welcome another to the church today, and let's just do that together. Let's welcome another on this amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. Hey, by the way, VIPs, if you're here for the first time, we've got a special gift that we want to give to you. It's your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle waiting just for you. If you want to go to mythrive.info, there is a button you can press, which is new to Thrive, or you can click that button that's in your chat room right now, and we would love to connect you with that gift. And so please take advantage of that. This is just our way of saying thank you so much for taking time to be with us here at Thrive Church Online. He'll give a big welcome to all of our VIPs in this place together right now. So good to have you here. Maybe you joined us last Sunday at our Christmas service, and this is your second time back at Thrive Church Online. So good to have you here. Big welcome back to you guys. So good to have you join us today. Well, speaking of our Christmas service last week, didn't we have an amazing Sunday last Sunday? What an amazing time we had celebrating Christmas together. Unforgettable. Some of the things that we saw, a dancing Christmas tree. You know, we had, had a collaboration on, uh, you know, on, on, you know, online of different people, different kids and adults singing If the World Was Ending. That was beautiful. That, that, that really touched my heart, brought tears to my eyes. Uh, we had all sorts of amazing things happen on that day, an amazing, unique way to celebrate Christmas. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. Uh, once again, a very Merry Christmas to all of you. Hopefully you got what you wished for for Christmas. Uh, praise God. We're so glad that you are here. Well, I'm excited to bring the message to you today. If you brought your Bibles, it's time to get that out right now. This isn't something we did last week, but we actually do this every single week 
week here at Thrive whenever we get into uh, the message. As we grab our Bibles, if you have one, uh, if you don't, that's okay. But if you have a Bible, want, want you to grab that right now. Maybe it's a paper Bible like mine. Maybe it's a phone you downloaded the Bible into. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold up, your, hold up in the air your Bible like so. And this is a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. Would you just say this out loud with me right now in a big loud voice? We're going to say this right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, if you are new to church, you're new to Jesus and the Bible and all that stuff, then we want to say we are especially thrilled that you're here. We hope that you'll find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you to be, a place you can be yourself, a place you can find community, some hope, some encouragement to help you as you start the week into a brand new year, actually being it's the last service of 2020. We hope that if you've got questions, that you'll find this is a safe place to ask your questions. In fact, there's a a space you can go to called MyThrive.info, where there's all sorts of next steps and resources that you can access to help you at whatever stage in the journey you might be in. And so a big welcome to each and every one of you. Today, we are going into a message that I'm so excited to give to all of you. If you could please turn your Bibles, scroll your Bibles, flip your Bibles, uh, you know, click your Bibles to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Philippians is in the New Testament. It's in the second half of your Bible. Philippians is a little letter that a guy called Paul, he's a church planter, he's a missionary, a uh, very prolific leader in the early Christian world. He wrote this letter to a church they started in Philippi, a city in what is now modern-day Greece. Philippians 4 is where we're going to be today, and I invite you just to read this with me. Philippians 4, uh, 8 to 13, and uh, let's, let's, let's read this together uh, right now. Read it with me. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Today, the message I'm here to share with you is called the secret of contentment. And see, this message is actually a part of a series that we're doing at Thrive that we've been doing for a couple months now called Financially Fit. And this series, Financially Fit, is a series on money management. It's because here during COVID-19 season, uh, a lot of people are under stress financially. A lot of people are worried about their finances. Uh, maybe their businesses have taken a turn. And it's something where we wanted to provide this series called Financially Fit as a way to give people some hope, some encouragement, some practical advice, and some perspective from the Bible about what money management is about. And so that's why we did this series called Financially Fit. And today just happens to be the last episode of the series. And if you are just joining us today and you're curious about what we've been talking about in this series so far, I encourage you to go back to, you know, late November, early December, when we did episodes one, two, and three of the series called Financially Fit. Uh, in fact, is, the fact is that when we 
say financially fit, we don't mean that you're going to be the next Jeff Bezos or the next, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the next Bill Gates. Uh, we're, we're saying financially fit means that you are financially healthy, that you are making money and you're spending less than that. You're not spending more than you make. It means that you're, you know, being able not just to live paycheck to paycheck, but you're able to, you know, have something left over to save, something left over to give, that you can give to causes that you care about. You can take care of the next generations in your family. You can enjoy what you have. That's what we mean by financially fit. And if you are curious about what we've learned, check out our podcast on Thrive Church Vancouver or our YouTube page for episodes one, two, and three. Without spoiling anything, I'd like to tell you that in episode one, we talked about five habits to financial fitness. Five habits that you and I need to develop if we want to be financially healthy. And those five habits were keep good records, control your spending, save for the future, give the first part to God, and finally enjoy what you have. And I promise that we look at the, the last one at some point, and that's what we're going to do today. How do you enjoy what you have? We're going to do that today. We're going to learn about that today in a message that I call the secret of contentment. See, what is contentment? Let me give you a definition for contentment today. Contentment is not requiring your circumstances to be ideal before you will be happy. Let me say that again. Contentment is not requiring that your circumstances be ideal before you will be happy. The fact is this, for as long as you and I live on this earth, there will always be some aspect of your life where there's going to be this gap between what you actually have and what you ideally want. There's going to be this gap between the real and the ideal. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your work situation. And trust me, no matter how perfect another person's life might seem on the outside, no matter how perfect their life might seem on social media, everyone feels that gap between the real and the ideal, between what we have and what we wish we had. We all feel it. And so if you feel that today, you're not alone. And what is contentment? Contentment is not requiring that your circumstances be ideal before you will be happy. Let me give you another definition for contentment and kind of rhymes is this contentment is learning to deal with how you feel about the gap between the real and the ideal. Let me say that again. Contentment is learning to deal with how you feel about the gap between the real and the ideal. See, contentment is recognizing, yeah, there might be a gap between what I actually have and what I ideally want, but I'm at peace nonetheless. I'm happy nevertheless. See, being content and being complacent are not the same thing. See, when I talk about contentment, I don't mean you stop dreaming, you stop working hard, you stop having any drive or any ambition, you just kind of mail it in, you throw in the towel, you give up and go, you know, whatever, you know, because the fact is that being content and being complacent are not the same thing. You can be ambitious and content at the same time. In fact, you might even say that in order to really be ambitious, you also need to learn contentment. Otherwise, the ambition in your life is going to drive you to the ground. And so that's why we need to learn about contentment. Contentment is learning to have joy and peace today, even while we're fighting for a better tomorrow. You know, Dave Ramsey and Rachel Cruz, they're financial advisors, and they say this, they say, contentment is not a destination. It's not somewhere you're leaving from. It isn't somewhere you're going to. Contentment is a manner of traveling. It's an attitude of peace and joy where you are, even while you're working to be somewhere else. Here's a question for you. How content are you? 
Is contentment something that you have? Is there an area in your life where you really struggle with that gap between the real and the ideal, what you have and what you wish you had? If you're not really sure, let me give you some clues that maybe you struggle with contentment. Here's clue number one. Clue number one that you struggle with contentment. And for every one of these clues, give yourself a point if you can relate to it. Number one, clue number one is you complain a lot is that you're often talking about how unhappy you are, how unsatisfied you are with your life or maybe a certain area of your life. It's like if the people closest to you had a dollar for every complaint you made this past year, they would all be millionaires today. See, it's, it's like you're, you're dwelling. Maybe you don't even talk about it out loud, but often you dwell privately on what you don't have or how it compares to someone else. And you think, I don't have what I deserve. Or you start thinking, oh, I wish I had that, but I don't have that. And you keep dwelling on that. If that's you, and then and you complain a lot, then give yourself a point. Clue number two is that you compare yourself often with others. Is that you're often comparing. You're, in fact, you're always comparing. Is that it's one of those things where wherever you go, you carry this invisible measuring stick with you. Where wherever you whenever you see anyone, whether it's in person or on social media, you're asking yourself, you know, who's who's richer? Who's more accomplished? Who's prettier? Who's better looking? Who's smarter? Who's cooler? You know, who's, who's more popular? Who's got more of a following? Who's got better hair? You know, whatever it might be. Who's got nicer sneakers? Whatever it might be. And, and it's like you're just all, always using this invisible measuring stick to compare with others. Has this ever happened to you before? Is that you go on social media and your social media friends who you don't really know even that well, they seem to be living these super exciting, happy lives, doing things that you wish you could do, accomplish such amazing, wonderful things, and you can't help but think, my life sucks. And you think, I wish I had that person's life. I wish I had that person's wife. I wish I had that person's house. I wish I had that person's spouse. I sound like Dr. Zeus. I, I, I wish I had that person's job. I wish I had that person's child. I wish I had that person's opportunities. I wish I had that person's good fortune. Ever had that before? You know, nowadays, around this time of year, around December, people like to send end of year updates. Have you received any of those lately? You know, people saying, oh, this past year, 2020 was this and this and such and such. And you know, they talk about how well they're doing and how their kid got into Harvard even though he's only 11 years old, or how they, you know, how their daughter invented a vaccine for COVID-19 and it's being distributed in some, you know, some country in the world, how even their dog is making a six-figure salary and they're so blessed. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you can look at all those things and on one hand, as much as you want to celebrate with them, sometimes you find it tough because you think, my life doesn't compare. Do you compare a lot? You with people around you? If that's you, then you might want to give yourself a point. Clue number three that you might struggle with contentment is this. You quickly become bored or unhappy with what you've asked for and you start wanting something new. Is that you quickly, what you might have asked for something, you got it, but then, you know, within a short while, you start being, ah, oh, this wasn't what I thought it would be. Let me look for something new. See, kids, has that ever happened to you before? Maybe even, you know, a couple days ago, maybe Christmas, you know, you got this new toy and at first so you're all excited. Oh, wow, 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 wow. This new Beyblade, oh, this new video game, oh, this new toy. And you're super excited, but then maybe the next day or a week from now, you, you, you see some other kid who's got something even newer and even cooler and you're like, I want that, right? And you know, the fact is this, is that this doesn't just apply to kids under 13. Kids in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, from one to 92, 
we all at some point some, sometimes go through this, is that you get this new thing in your life. Maybe it's a new gadget, new phone, new car, but then you see a newer, cooler version out there, and you're like, oh, I want that. I need to have that. Or you start something new. Maybe it's a new job, or you start going to a new church, or you get married, and at first, everything is so sweet and touching and exciting. It's like the honeymoon phase, and everything is so great, but then after a while, you start to get bored. And it's not because anything's really changed. It's not that anything's really different. It's just that you feel different. And it's like, it's like you've gotten used to the thrill isn't that much there anymore. It's like, it used to touch me, but it doesn't touch me anymore. It used to thrill me, but it doesn't really thrill me anymore. And you start looking for something or someone else to help you get excited again. Has that ever happened to you before? If that's you, then give yourself a point. Clue number four, that you might struggle with contentment. You often think to yourself, if only I had blank, then I would be happy. If only I was married. If only I had kids. If only I didn't have kids. If only I had a bigger home. If only I had a better car. If only I had a different body shape. If only I was working in a different field. If only I was, you know, you know if only I received that news that I'm waiting for. If only I lived in a different city. Then I would be happy. Whatever blank that is for you is that you think that because there's a condition to your happiness, until that condition is filled, you won't be happy. And, and see, here's the thing, is that if you keep thinking, that your happiness is somewhere out there and it's something where until you get there, you're never going to be happy. What you're doing is you are putting a huge limit on your ability to be happy all the time. And so we want to talk about that today. You know, you might splurge because of that. You're like, you know what, I'm going to splurge on a big purchase or I'm going to buy all this stuff to to kind of help me to feel better. And that leads us to clue number five is 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 that you keep spending in hopes of filling a void in your life. Some people call that retail therapy or comfort buying. Is that you might even go into debt and you put everything on a credit card even though you don't have the money in the bank account for it just to get that thing to fill the void in your life, just to make you feel better. A lot of studies show that the thrill and the satisfaction of a comfort buy never lasts is that it just it makes you feel better for maybe a day or a week, but then it slowly gets you know, to the point where you're like, oh, I'm still not satisfied. See, does that mean that you should never buy luxury items? Not necessarily. You need to look at the bigger picture, as we've been talking about in the series called Financially Fit, is that if you are financially fit in the different ways we've been talking about, those five different areas, it might be totally fine to buy that LV bag or to get that nicer car. The, the fact is you want to look at the bigger picture. Are you, are you, are you, are you saving for the future? Are you... Are you controlling your spending? Are you giving your first part to God? Are you doing all those things? But see, what you want to avoid is thinking that you can buy your way out of discontentment. That somehow money can help you get out of your discontentment because contentment at the end of the day is not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And see, if any of these, these, these clues applies to you today, then there's a good chance that contentment may be a struggle for you. And if that's you, guess what? You're not alone. Our culture in North America is naturally inclined toward discontentment. That's why marketing is so powerful in North America. We live in the most marketed to culture in the history of the world. They say that today, in just a few hours, the amount of advertising that you and I will be exposed to is more than what previous generations would get in a year. There's so much advertising that's out there to make you feel dissatisfied with your life, that your life is not complete unless you have that one special product 
that's going to make your life so different. And you add on top of that how rampant and powerful social media is. And it's quite possible that we live in one of the most discontent cultures that's ever existed in the world. It's because we live in the kind of world that we need to learn the skill of contentment. Because you're going to find that until you find contentment, you're going to make life miserable for yourself and for those around you. Until you find contentment, you're going to find that your lack of contentment is going to take a toll on your health, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Until you find contentment, you're going to find that you have a lot of difficulty being financially fit because you're always going to be fighting that temptation to splurge and to spend to fill a void. You know, if you until you find contentment, you're going to find that you're chasing a fantasy often rather than appreciating what is already in your life. Without contentment, you can't enjoy life. Without contentment, you're not able to love others because you're focused so much on your own lack. But with contentment comes peace. With contentment comes perspective. With contentment comes the ability to enjoy your life and be a blessing to others. If you believe that, say amen. And that's why we need to learn how to be content. And it's no wonder the Bible over and over speaks to the importance of contentment. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. See, this is, this is that we all need money. Money is a tool that we all need. And it's, it's something where, you know, if, if, if you are in need of money, of course, everyone needs that. It's something that is a necessity. It's a practical necessity for every single one of us. But here's the thing is that verse nine says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and to many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's talking about contentment. Look at Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Instead of making money your all-consuming drive, the thing that you live for, even after you've already had enough that you keep on going for it, you keep on, you keep on wanting it more and more and more as if it's the obsession of your life, we need to learn contentment. See, over and over the Bible talks about the importance of contentment, but how do we find it? We're going to learn this from a guy called Paul. See, Paul, he was the most anti-Christian guy back in, you know, just after Jesus' time. And he was on a mission to destroy Christianity, to destroy the Christian church. But on his road to doing that, he encounters Jesus in a very personal and powerful way, much like maybe some of you, you encountered Jesus last week. And, and here's the thing, is that he spends the rest of his life telling people about Jesus. He spends the rest of his life planting churches in places where people have never heard of Jesus before. And around 61 AD, Paul finds himself in a prison for preaching the gospel. He's facing an uncertain future. He is awaiting the results of a trial where he doesn't know if he's going to be executed anytime soon. And so there's incredible uncertainty in Paul's life and in his future right there. And so he decides, I'm going to write to different churches that have been a blessing to me and that I've you know been helping with in the past. One of them is a church in the city of Philippi, modern day Greece, a church that he had helped start. And, and he starts to talk to them about what he's going through. And you would think that if you're Paul, under these kind of uncertain, scary circumstances, that your letters would be full of anxiety and worry and complaining and discontentment. And yet you're going to find when you read the letter of Philippians that Paul writes to his church in Philippi, that it is full of contentment. 
It's full of joy. It's because Paul has learned what he calls the secret of contentment. Look at Philippians 4, 9 to 12 with me. It says, read it with me. It says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. If you have your Bibles with you, would you just highlight or underline these words in verse 11? For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And then verse 12, it says, or underline this part, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, every and, in, in any and every situation. See, in the midst of the most uncertain time of Paul's life, in a time when there was this huge gap between the real and the ideal in Paul's life, Paul learned what he calls the secret of contentment, the ability to be happy whatever the circumstances. How do you and I learn the secret of contentment. See, when, since Paul encourages the, 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 his brothers and sisters in Christ in the church of Philippi to put into practice what he is telling them and what he is doing, let's learn the same way. Let's learn from Paul's life four keys to unlocking the secret of contentment in your life. Are you guys ready? If you can use some contentment in your life, I encourage you to take some notes today. Four keys to unlocking contentment in your life. Number one, focus on the good. Focus on the good. Here's how Paul puts it in Philippians 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Has this ever happened to you before? Is that you're upset about something, you're angry about something, you're worried about something, and the more you think about that thing that upsets you, that angers you, that worries you, the more angry and upset and worried you become, is that the more you think about it, the worse it gets. And, and, and you know, the thing is this, is that how do you turn that off? How do you turn off the worry? How do you turn off the anger? How do you turn off you know, the upset feeling that you have when you think about that thing? The way you do it isn't simply saying, I'm going to stop thinking about it. That, that's not the way to do it. You need to redirect your focus on something positive. And see, that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't just focus on everything that's wrong. Think about what is right and focus on the good. That's what Paul is talking about. If you want to learn the secret of contentment, a huge key is to focus on the good. Turn your neighbor and say, focus on the good. See, here at Thrive, we talk a lot about focusing on the good. We call it choosing an attitude of gratitude. And, and so I'm not going to belabor the point today except to tell you an embarrassing story. Uh, you know, when Charlene and I, you know, wow, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we, were, we started dating. Do you know this? We barely made it through our first month of dating. Do you know why? It's because I made a really bad mistake. Oh, let me tell you what the mistake was. See, prior to Shara and I finding one another, 
I'd made a lot of mistakes when it came to relationships and dating. Uh, I dated way too early. I, I didn't end relationships when I should have ended. I've shared these with some of you guys in the past. I, I really didn't want to make that many more mistakes when it came to dating. I wanted the next person that I dated to be the one I marry. I, I was just kind of, I, I've had enough of, you know, all these different relationship failures. I really hope that this next one is the one that I marry. And so, you know, I kept a journal about this whole journey. <laughs> and and, and I, I, in my journal, what was most important was I kept a list of, of 20 traits that I want to see in this girl that I would one day marry. And uh, just so that I wouldn't let my emotions get out of hand. I, I look at that, that, that checklist and go, does she have this? Does she have that? And, uh, and, and here's even more is this, is that, you know, whenever I would consider anyone, like, you know, oh, does this person have, you know, potential? I, I, I would actually write about them. I'd write, you know, my thoughts and I'd write, you know, things that I appreciate about, things that I had concerns about. I write it all in this one journal. Now, Charlene comes into my life and I'm like, oh, she's got all 20 traits. And, and I, I start, I start, we start dating and I wrote in the journal, oh man, Char's the first person I've ever met who has all the 20 traits that I've been looking for. She is amazing. And then I wrote a prayer for a relationship. I copied that whole journal entry. It's a short one, maybe one page. And then I put it onto a floppy disk. You guys remember floppy disks? I had a floppy disk in my hand. And then I gave that to Char. And I said, I hope this encourages you. And so she takes this disk. And she's like, okay. Later that night, we're supposed to meet at a restaurant for dinner. It was like Cheesecake Factory, I think it was. And so, so we went to Cheesecake Factory. This is in Boston. And I, I meet her at the table. And Char looks really upset. She, she does not look happy at all. In fact, I'd never seen that look on her face before. It was just, this is first, one month into dating. And, and, and I'm like, Char, is everything okay? And, and after a few minutes, she said, JB, why did you give me that floppy disk? Like, I, I read through all 80, 90 pages of what you wrote. I'm like, 80 to 90 pages? I thought it was a one-page journal entry. And, and, and in fact, so she had actually read the entire journal of everything that I'd written, not just about her, but every other person that I'd ever considered. And she's like, are you sure you want to be together? And, 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 and here's the thing, is that, you know, probably, we're, we're at Cheesecake Factory. Probably, Sharp probably wanted to throw a cheesecake in my face at that moment. But the, but the fact is that that night, you know, she was not happy, but she said, you know, it's okay. I'm not gonna break up with you now, <laughs> but I'm gonna focus on the good because I still believe that you just might have the four traits that I'm looking for. You love God, you love your family, you have a good temper, and I can't remember the fourth one. I think the fourth one's something like, you know, being extremely good looking or so something like that, something like that. But the fact is, praise God that Charlene did not give up on me on that day. She decided to focus on the good. Can you give God a big hand for Char for focusing on the good? God's mercy on my life, praise God. See, why do I share that with you? It's because in life, there will always be this tension between the real and the ideal. And if you would focus on the good in the midst of the gap, then you will find that you can enjoy life so much more. See, maybe this past week, something disappointing happened. Maybe this past week, there were some th things that ca caught you unexpected and, you're, and, and you, find, you find that the last thing you feel is thankful. Can I tell you this? Choose an attitude of gratitude. Because gratitude is not just a feeling, it's a choice that we make. You want to focus on the good, knowing that no matter how bad a situation you may be in today, there are always things to be thankful for. If you believe that, say amen.
Maybe you're like, well, JB, like, what's there to be thankful for right now? Well, if something bad happened to you, thank God that nothing worse happened. If, if something bad happened to you, thank God for the people who are there to support you during this time. And if you're really not sure what to thank God for, thank God for the fact that when we were separated from God because of our sin, when we had no way of reaching God, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but to show that you could trust every word that Jesus says to show that Jesus is not some ordinary person, but he is who he claims to be, the son of God. He rose again from the grave to show that there's no problem you go through that is bigger than Jesus. Amen. And so with that in mind, because Jesus Christ died on the cross of your sins and you rose again from the grave, you can thank God. Because if Jesus conquered your two biggest problems in life, he conquered sin at the cross, he conquered death at the resurrection, then how will we not help you to conquer whatever it is you're going through right now? Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in those places together right now. Amen. In every difficult situation, there are always things to thank God for. And so in every situation, every day, the Bible says, focus on the good. Choose an attitude of gratitude. That's the first key to unlocking the secret of contentment. And by the way, do you want, do you want to find what really helps me choose an attitude of gratitude? Come to church every week. Being in a church community, in a church family, where we can be in God's presence, hear God's words, sing God's songs, those help us to choose an attitude of gratitude. And so I'm so glad you're here and I encourage you to keep on coming. Number two is that if you want to unlock the secret of contentment, key number two is see every problem as an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to innovate. See every problem that you go through as an opportunity. See, when you see there, there's a gap between the real and the ideal, don't just use that as a reason to sulk or a reason to complain or a reason to give up. See it as a chance to learn. See it as a chance to grow. See it as a chance to be creative and to innovate something new. Look at Philippians 1, 15 to 18. Paul says this to his church in Philippi. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. See, what is Paul saying? See, Paul, he's in prison. And while he's in prison, he's hearing reports about stuff that's going on outside of the prison, which that different people in Philippi, his friends as well as his opponents, you know, his, his, his partners as well as his critics, they are trying to do what Paul does, which is go around and preach the gospel about Jesus Christ, some because of good motives, some because of not so good motives. But rather than seeing this as a problem, because people are like, oh, Paul, there's a problem, there's a problem. Paul says, this isn't a problem. This is an opportunity. And see, he's saying, this is an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed in more ways. This is an opportunity for leaders to rise up. This is an opportunity for new lives to be changed. This is an opportunity for God's kingdom to expand. What is Paul doing? He's focusing on the good, and he's seeing the problem as an opportunity. Here's a question for you today. What is one problem in your life today that you need to turn around and start looking at as an opportunity? You know, earlier this year, one of my favorite videos was from Italy, where during the COVID-19 lockdown stay-at-home order that was happening in Italy, people could not leave their homes. And so I love how these two girls decided that they would play tennis in a very creative, innovative way. Why don't you check this out right now?
you, did you catch that? They're, they're playing tennis on their rooftops from one building to another building across like 15 feet of just like, uh, just like uh, of, of dead air. It's incredible. I thought that was so creative, so innovative. In a time when you are facing a gap between the real and the ideal, don't just sulk, don't just complain, but treat it as a chance to grow, to learn, and to innovate. You know, the fact is that this past year, with COVID-19, we've had more limitations on what we can do as a church than ever before. And it's also happened to be the most innovative year we've ever had here at Thrive Church. I remember it was Thursday, March 11, when the government had just announced its ban on gatherings of groups of 250 or more. And so literally that same night, you know, our staff, we, we came together and we had to make a decision. Are we going to go online? We had a long, long discussion about it. And finally we said, you know what, we, we need to go online. And we'd never been online doing online church before. And this is... A, completely new thing for us, but we went ahead and, you know, since this is our last service of 2020, I thought I'd take a look back at that first online service we did on March 15, 2020. Amazing. It was just only nine months ago. And yet I find if you take a look at that video, it's just incredible how much we've learned and grown since then. You know, even just for fun, I've actually worn the same shirt that I wore on that very first service. And here's the thing is that when I, when you look at the video, I'm not even looking at the camera. I'm not even looking at you guys. I'm, I'm looking all over, you know, because I'm so used to talking to crowds this way. And I'm not even looking at the camera. It was like something I had a lot to learn. You know, we, we have the lighting, the production values, which, 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 which we always, you know, which we always appreciate. But they, they, they're nothing like what they have today. You know, it was one of those things where we grew and we learned in the midst of a problem. Amen. And see, these past nine months, with all the uncertainty and the changing restrictions here in BC, we've had to innovate more than we've ever had before. You know, in addition to moving everything online, you know, services online, prayer means online, small groups online. You know, in June, we had our very first Thrive drive through on Father's Day. You know, and, and you know, on, on, you know, on, on, June, uh, on June Father's Day, we, we, we brought people together. It was the first time for us to see each other in months, and it was an amazing time. You know, our newcomer lunch became a meet the pastors meeting on Zoom. You know, we, we had situations where our Thrive Disciples School became completely online for the first time. At our September kickoff, we hope to gather in parks and, and serve ice cream to all of you. But because of COVID-19 going on, because of the wildfire smoke, you know, we couldn't do that. So we decided okay, we're going to deliver ice cream to your doors through the help of amazing Uber ice cream volunteers. You know, and, and we had, you know, and we wanted for our Thanksgiving service to invite people to our service, but we didn't know how. So that, you know what, we're going to do something called Sweet High and Pie, where we're going to deliver pies to people's doors and invite them to our Thanksgiving service. Well, we couldn't do pancakes for Santa, pancakes with Santa as we have in the past couple of years, a, a, an event for kids. We said, you know, we're going to do Santa's workshop on Zoom. And praise God, we saw over 139 kids register for Santa's workshop for what was an amazing, amazing event. When we couldn't do a choir this past year, we had a Zoom collaboration and said, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? You know, it, was, it was all those things. And see, over the past nine months of facing these different limitations, these constantly changing restrictions, we've had to treat it as an opportunity to grow and to learn and to be creative and to innovate and praise God. Because over the past nine months, we've seen 
people come to Jesus as a result. In fact, you know, we've, we've seen over 200 recorded individual decisions made to receive Jesus, including 30 at our Christmas service last Sunday. I don't know if it was the same one person clicking all the time, but the fact is that we've seen two, over 200 recorded individual decisions of people saying, I need Jesus in my life. You know, we've, we've reached more people in more places around the world than we ever have before. We've welcomed more people into our church family, new and amazing people. We baptize people in new ways that we've never done before. We know new leaders we've seen rising up, you know, we're leading worship, leading prayer, leading small groups. We prayed more as a church than ever before. Oh, come on, can you give God a big hand for all of those things? What's the lesson that we're learning? We're learning that when there's a gap between the real and the ideal, don't take it as an excuse to sulk. Take it as a reason to grow. Take it as a reason to learn and to innovate, knowing that the best is yet to come. And see, we still got so much learning to do, so much growing to do, but praise God for all the ways that we've grown as a church together. You know, when you're facing a gap between the real and ideal, don't do the thing that a lot of people do, is that just they throw money at the problem. Oh, just, just throw money at the problem. You know, they, they, they buy something, they, they make a purchase. You know, instead, let the gap lead you to grow. Let the gap between the real and the ideal lead you to grow in new ways. Turn your neighbor and say, the gap is there to help you grow. Turn your neighbor and say, the gap is there to help you grow. See, as you go into 2021, what is one problem in your life right now that you need to start seeing as an opportunity, as an opportunity for you to grow, as an opportunity for you to learn, as an opportunity for you to innovate. That's the second key to unlocking the secret of contentment. Is it helpful in this place so far? Number three, number three, if you want to unlock the secret of contentment that Paul talks about, refuse to be controlled by comparisons. Refuse to be controlled by comparisons. Look at Philippians 3, 4 to 7. It says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has put confidence, he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. See, what, what's Paul doing? It's short nutshell. What is he doing? Paul is saying, I used to focus so much on how my resume compares to other people's resume. I used to focus so much on how I compare to the people around me, but now I refuse to be controlled by those comparisons because I found Jesus. Amen. And see, do you struggle with comparisons? Is there someone that you are often comparing yourself to? Or maybe someone often compares you to that person. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's you're in an organization and you, you, you often compare your organization with another organization that you think is maybe doing so much better. You know, maybe it's a friend from high school that you've always kind of you know, secretly competed with. See, the fact is it's natural to compare. In fact, in some ways, comparing is beneficial to the extent that we can learn from that, to the extent that we can, it motivates us, to the extent that it helps us get better. But the key is not to be controlled by comparisons. In other words, the key is to not base your happiness and your worth on how you compare to others. Now, because it's impossible to be content with what you have when you're constantly focused on comparing with others, we need to say no to comparisons controlling us. Amen. See, once I was listening to a young mom who was saying, you know, whenever I go on social media, I feel like the worst mom ever. 
is that, you know, I, I don't make cupcakes like that. My, my kids' rooms don't look like that. You know, I, 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 I don't look like that. And, and, and I feel 10 times worse after going on Instagram and I ruminate on that for hours because I keep on comparing myself to others and I feel like the worst mom ever. Have you felt that way before? Here, here, here's why you shouldn't let comparisons control you. Remember that comparisons can be misleading. Why is that? It's because we tend to compare the worst of what we know about ourselves with the best that we assume about other people. Let me say it again. We tend to compare the worst of what we know about ourselves with the best that we assume about other people. And to illustrate that, let me just show you a picture that I love. In fact, I, I've been trying to find other pictures like this just for variety, but because I've shown this to some of you before, but let me just show you a picture that I think is a really good illustration for this. See, let me show this photo right here. And see, this photo, you see that inside the box, this looks perfect. This is, everything is perfect inside the box, right? Like, like her hair is perfect. She's beautiful. The baby's cute. Everything is immaculate and clean. This is the stuff of, you know, this is the stuff that you post on Facebook. This is the stuff that you would post on Instagram. This, this is stuff that's worth posting, People, a lot of people think. But what people don't see is what's outside of the box. What people don't see is the war zone that the person is in and the mess that's around them because you only see what's inside the box. And here's the thing is that I'm not saying that, you know, whenever you see someone who's got a really good thing to celebrate that you automatically think about all the messes in your life. Don't think that. But this is the thing. All of us have messes that people don't know about. And, and so don't compare all of your mess that's outside the box with the little, the little sliver of reality that you see inside the box of someone else. Amen. Because that will make you unnecessarily and inaccurately depressed. See, since we are affected by our environment, I encourage you, is that you want to find ways to not be so controlled by comparisons. Maybe it's about just having some self-control to put the phone down and just not scroll incessantly through if that's going to help you. Maybe it's about watching the kind of friends you allow to influence you. Maybe just depending on, maybe they, they, they talk a lot about comparing. They, they, they talk a lot about superficial comparisons. Maybe it's about saying, you know what, i, I got to put some boundaries around how much I listen to that kind of stuff. You see, there's another reason why you shouldn't let comparisons control you, is that remember that you have a unique destiny that cannot be compared to anyone else. The fact is, you are a unique creation of God. And so you want to embrace your uniqueness. Yeah, I don't have time to tell you about all the people in my life that I've compared myself to in the past. Oh, so many. You know, I don't have time to talk about all of them. I've compared myself to my dad. I've compared myself to the pastor of our parent church. You know, I've compared myself to other pastors. I've compared myself to relatives in my life. I've compared, I've, there's so many people that I've compared myself to. But what's, what I find is this, is that comparing can help to the extent that you you want to learn, but if you allow comparisons to define your worth, then you are going to be miserable for the rest of your life. The fact is this, is that the more I learned to use comparisons in a helpful way, rather than letting control me, the more content I became and the more effective I was in what I do. Because the fact is this, God doesn't make copies. He only makes originals. Amen. You know, when, when your life is over and you stand before God, God is not going to say, how come you more, more like your sister? 
Or how come you weren't more like that person? He's going to ask you two questions. The first question is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? That's the first question he's going to ask. And then the second question he's going to ask is, what did you do with everything else that I gave you? Not everything else I gave someone else, but everything else I gave you. Because if God was so focused on you being just like your brother, he would have made you just like your brother, but he didn't. He made you you because you have a unique destiny. Amen. Remember this, God doesn't make copies. He only makes originals. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an original. You are an original. You have a unique destiny. You have a unique story. And so don't devalue the uniqueness of your story by constantly comparing with other people. Instead, you just do the best you can with what you have. And at the end of the day, no one can ask you for more. If you believe that, say amen. Galatians 5.26 says it this way. It says, we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is unoriginal. Galatians 6.4 says, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. See, for some of you today, you're making this mistake of you keep comparing yourself to others. For others of you, maybe you're watching and the fact is you make another mistake and the, that other mistake you're making is that you, com- you keep comparing someone in your life, someone close to you with someone else that you admire. Someone maybe who's not as close to you, that you see from afar, but you admire them. And you keep talking to the person who's close to you and thinking, how quiet can't you be more like that person? Why can't you be more like pretty Polly? Or why can't you be more like straight A Mike? Why can't you be more like that person? You keep comparing that person you love to that person that you don't know, and you're making life miserable, not just for yourself, but especially for the person that you keep comparing them to. You forget that they are unique creation. Amen. See, parents, as long as you keep comparing your child with your friend's child that you don't even know, you're going to make life miserable for yourself and your child. Husbands, as long as you keep comparing your wife to that girl that you see on the screen, you're going to make your life miserable and you're going to make your wife's life miserable as well. The fact is, you are married to a unique creation an original. She's not a copy of anyone else. She's a beautiful creation of God, and so love her that way. Amen? Stop making those kind of comparisons and embrace the uniqueness of your loved one. Finally, if you want to unlock the secret of contentment, number four, what we learned from, G- what we learned from, from, from Paul is anchor your worth in Jesus Christ, not in your possessions, not in people's opinions. Let me say that again. Anchor your worth in Jesus Christ, not in your possessions or people's opinions. When we began this series called Financially Fit, one of the first things I said to you is remember that your self-worth and your net worth are not the same thing. And the fact is this, is that you can go into your bank account, you can look at how many assets you have. That doesn't tell you your true worth. What tells you your true worth is the cross where Jesus died. That long before we had anything to do with God, because God loved us, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins to show that his love for you is beyond measure. His love for you is unconditional. His love for you, you can't even put a price on. That, that's how precious you are. That's how much you matter to God. See, here's how Jesus puts it. He says in Luke 12, 15, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, the Bible warns over and over that you're not going to find contentment just by having possessions. 
just by having stuff, having money. It's okay to own stuff. You just don't want the stuff to own you. And, and see, contentment comes not from the stuff. Contentment comes from having a right relationship with God. See, why is that? It's because the Bible says that deep down inside each one of us, there is a God-sized hole that only God can fill. And you can try to fill that hole with money, with possessions, with status, with followers on Facebook or on, on Instagram or Twitter. You can try to you know, put into that hole all sorts of things that you think are gonna make you happy. But at the end of the day, unless you allow God to fill that God-sized hole in your heart, there will always be something missing. There will always be something like, you're like a puzzle with this huge missing piece at the center. It's because you have got a God-sized hole in your heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it this way. It says, he, that's God, has planted eternity in the human heart. Could it be that the reason why you're so frustrated these days, the reason why you lack contentment these days, is because you're trying to fill a void in your heart that is God-sized with something that is not God-sized. You need to start realizing today that Contentment begins with allowing Jesus Christ to fill that void in your life. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Proverbs 13.25 says, The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. You know in the Bible what the definition of righteous means? It's not how good you are. It's about, do you trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you? And when you trust that, God's, God, God says, when I look at you, because you trust my son Jesus, I see you as righteous, blameless, acceptable in my sight. You are righteous. The Bible says the righteous eat to their heart's content. It's when you have Jesus Christ in your life, that God-sized hole in your heart is finally filled. And so with that in mind, that's why if you want to unlock the secret of contentment, it actually begins with Jesus. Anchor your worth in Jesus Christ, not in your possessions, not in people's opinions. How do you do that? How do you anchor your worth in Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing you can do is you can give your struggles to God. One of the things that is amazing about God is that as high and holy and perfect as he is, he allows sinners like us with brokenness, with flaws, with struggles to come to him just the way we are. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can take the struggle that you have, maybe with comparison, the struggle you have with discontentment. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's just, you don't even know why you're so frustrated, but you can give that to God. You can say, God, I admit that I've got an issue. I've got an issue with envying that person. I've got this issue with continuing to compare myself with other people. And so you got to give your struggles to God. And well, that's the beginning of God working your life. Another thing you want to do, ask Jesus Christ to be the savior of your life. See, our biggest struggle of all the struggles we have, beyond comparing, beyond, you know, all these things, the biggest struggle we have is a struggle against sin, a sin, a struggle that we could not win. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to defeat that struggle for us. And the, when, the, when the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, i.e. we're meant to be separated from God because of our sin, Jesus died to pay for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. And when you invite Jesus into your life, then that is the beginning of Jesus filling the God-sized hole in your heart. I would encourage you to do that today if you haven't already. Finally, invest in your relationship with Jesus. That's the other way to anchor your, your worth in Jesus, is you want to make Jesus more and more your priority in life. You want to, you know, 
start making church your priority, where you can hear God's word, where you can be with God's people. You want to learn to read the Bible and pray every day. Let his thoughts start to affect your thoughts. Let his heart start to impact your heart. You know, we've got ways, tools, resources, even a school called Thrive Disciple School to help you to do all those things. You want to join a small group, have some community in this time so that you can invest in your relationship with Jesus. Since the battle for contentment is a daily thing, we want to seek Jesus daily because contentment starts with Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. And this is how Paul puts it. Philippians 4.13, it's the last verse for today. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's because the fourth and most important key to unlocking the secret of contentment in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you struggle with contentment? You're going to find that when your life, your identity, your worth is anchored in Jesus, not in your possessions, not in your status, not in your position, but in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be as easily shaken by the comments that other people make. Or, you know, when people don't treat you the way that you think you should be treated, that you, you've got this confidence, this security in you that's not dependent on what other people say or do. It's because it's dependent on who Jesus is and what he says about you when he died on the cross for your sins. See, those are four steps we've been learning today to unlock the secret of contentment. Focus on the good. Number two, see your problem as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to innovate. Number three, refuse to be controlled by comparisons. Number four, anchor your worth in Jesus Christ. So that, so that when you feel that there's a gap between the real and the ideal, let the gap lead you to thanksgiving. Let the gap lead you to learning and growing and being innovative. Let the gap finally lead you to Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed this message. That actually brings our Financially Fit series to a close here. Uh, again, if you missed any episode in our Financially Fit series, you can feel free to go to our Thrive Church Vancouver podcast to check that out. That's, this is also the last sermon of 2020 for me. These next three weeks, in fact, I'll be taking a break from preaching uh, at Thrive Church, and, and we have some very able preachers who will be bringing the message every Sunday. But if you enjoyed this message called The Secret of Contentment, and you're new to Thrive, I think you actually find that this message pairs really well with a series that we just earlier completed called Happier You. Learn the secrets to a happier you. I feel like almost like a server at a restaurant saying, trying to pair a wine with a dish here for you. If you, if you enjoyed today's message and you want to explore this topic more about contentment, I encourage you to check out Happier You, which is another series that we did just a couple months ago. But here's the thing. Today, we're talking about the secret of contentment. We're learning that contentment begins with Jesus. And if you realize that you struggle with contentment and you realize that you need to let Jesus fill the God-sized hole in your heart today, that you've maybe been allowing other things to fill that hole and it hasn't been working, no wonder you're frustrated, and you want to give Jesus a chance, you want to invite Jesus into your life, then I want to pray a prayer with you and for you. And you know, receiving Jesus into your life is as simple as praying a prayer. And if you want to do that today, I want to encourage you right now to click on your chat room or use the QR code that you see on your screen. And that, when you click on that, when you use that QR code, it's going to direct you to a prayer that you can pray to invite Jesus into your life. Would you do that right now, if that's you? If you want to receive and invite Jesus Christ to come and to fill that void in your life, if you want to ask Jesus to come and to forgive you of your sins, you want to receive the gift of his forgiveness, his peace, his love in your life, then why don't you just click on that right now? Why don't you just use that QR code right now? And uh, I'm going to, so that you're not doing this on your own, 
I'm going to pray this prayer with you. In fact, all you can do is just read along and pray, repeat after me. And this is our way of inviting Jesus Christ to come and fill our lives. Uh, and so here we go. You ready, buddy? You have that prayer in front of you? Don't, don't be afraid to click that link. And uh, we're just going to pray this prayer right now. And you pray this from your heart. And you say, Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then the Bible says that you are forgiven of your sins, you are a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, and nothing could ever separate you from God's love. And so a big congratulations to each and every one of you who prayed that prayer just now. In fact, we got a special gift to give you. It's your own Thrive Church mug. There's even a little E uh, gift card there to Starbucks uh, and some resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Can we give all of our, big, all, all of our friends here a big hand? Let's give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. One more group of people, or one more group that we want to pray for right now is those of you who have an issue with contentment. And maybe it's because you compare yourself so much to others. Maybe it's because you complain a lot. Maybe it's because you have this issue of trying to spend to fill a void. If that's you, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Would you just lift up your hand to God today? If you realize today that you struggle with contentment, you want to unlock the secret of contentment in your life, especially as we go into a brand new year of 2021, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now? And uh, even before I lead you in prayer, why don't you start talking to God right now? And let's just do what we talked about today. Let's focus on the good. Let's choose an attitude of gratitude. And just with your heart focused on God right now, we just start thanking God for every blessing you can think of in this past 2020 year. I know it has hasn't been the easiest year for all of us, but God is good. His love endures forever, and there's so much to be thankful for. And so as the music is playing, as you're watching, as you've got your heart open, and hopefully your hand raised as well, let the height of your hand reflect how much you want to give God thanks today. I want you to start talking to God, and just give God your heart today. Give God everything in your life today. Give God your thanks. Give God your praise. Just don't even wait for me to stop talking. Just start talking to God from your heart. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. Just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. That's right. We're focusing on the good. God is good. We're focusing on you now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. If you struggle with contentment, would you just pray this prayer with me today? If you realize you need help in this area of finding the secret of contentment, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? You can say, Dear Jesus, help me today to focus on the good. Help me today to see my problems not as a reason to complain, but as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to be creative, to innovate. Please help me not to focus so much on comparisons. Instead, help me to anchor my worth and my identity, not in my possessions, not in people's opinions, but in you, Jesus, in who you are, in what you've done, in what you say about me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. And we don't say it enough here at Thrive, but we appreciate each and every one of you so very much for sticking with us all throughout this unusual, exceptional year. But praise God, it's been also an amazing year. And for those of you who are just joining us today or just joined us last week and you're back, we're so glad that you're here. And we hope you find that Thrive Church is a safe place that you can call home. And we love you guys. God loves you. Right now, before I hand the time to our worship band, just want to remind you to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings, knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what he adds, everything we need. We also got a campaign going on for our year-end gift. Tax season is you know, finishing, or the tax year is finishing at the end of this month, just a few days away. And if you just want to thank God for his blessings, his protection, his provision, for being there with you in 2020, if you want to resource your church, do even greater things in this new year of 2021, if you want to make more room for God to work in and through your life and through Thrive Church, I encourage you to give a, a year-end gift as an expression of that today. Let's sow in faith, believing that regardless of what kind of year we've had in 2020, the best is yet to come. Let's give God our very best. Let's worship Jesus in this place. Let's sing a song together right now. the glory and the lifter of my head. 
Your light it fills my days and leads me in Your ways. Forever I surrender all to from our hearts today. a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much that on this last Sunday of 2020, that though this has been in many ways the most unusual year, and in some cases the most challenging year for a lot of us, that we've also seen that your grace is more than enough for us, and that your grace is amazing. And so we thank you today that because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again from the grave in his last day, we can say that the best is yet to come. We thank you so much for all the ways you provided for us, 
protected us, led the way, been with us, never given up on us, been patient with us. And we just thank you so much that we get to go into a brand new year, not alone, but together with you and with our church family, knowing that we are on a mission to spread contagious hope all around our cities, all around the world. We thank you so much. We go into 2021 praying all of your blessing, your provision, your opportunities, your favor, your protection, your healing, your comfort, your strength, wisdom, your Holy Spirit to fill every single one person here. And I ask, Father, for not just them individually, but for each and every one of our small groups, for all of the leaders here at Thrive, for every single person who calls Thrive Church from the home church, for all of us here at Thrive, that God, you would rain down your favor, your blessing, and through us, spread your hope that's contagious like never before into this new year of 2021. We say thank you, Jesus. There is none like you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. There's more than that. Give God all of your praise in this place right now. Praise God. That brings our final service of 2020 to a close. Praise God, the best is yet to come. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being such an amazing church. And we'll see you guys in 2021, knowing that, uh, you know, contagious hope is something that we have to spread into 2021. And uh, praise God, that brings us to a close on the final service of 2021 or 2020. And we'll see you guys really soon. Have a great week. Have a great start to a brand new year. And we'll see you guys in 2021. Love you guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Pastor JB. That was the perfect message to end 2020 and start 2021 for me. But before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's your first time here, you're VIP, so please let us know by texting you at 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. If you made the choice to receive Jesus Christ into your life today, congratulations, we have a gift package that we will send specifically to you, as well as a series of videos that may ask you some questions they have with Jesus. So just text BELIEVE at 604-285-5770, and if you'd like to get baptized, visit mypower.info for more information. Today, we learned about the secret of contentment, and the best way for me to feel content is to share my worries and my woes with the friends that I made at Small Group. Small Group is a place that we can share, encourage, and pray for one another, so if you're currently not part of one, visit mypower.info to sign up. Today, we just concluded the message series, Financially Fit. We would love to hear what you think, so please fill the feedback form on mytarpa.info. So, that's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings, and I'll see you all next week here at Thrive Church Online. Bye!